0: Hello, and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godek, and with me today is Lyle Kopp. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, John. Glad to be here. Yeah. So Lyle is an RPG freelance author whose numerous works include credits with Fantasy Flight Games, White Wolf Publishing, Dark Quest Games, Malhavik Press, and Publishing, and several Pathfinder Society scenarios for Paizo. So Lyle, can you talk a little bit about your journey to becoming a freelance RPG writer? Yeah, sure. Um,
1: well, I started out as a player, and yeah. uh, I guess that's probably where a lot of uh, writers begin. And then I had, uh, actually my wife had a job opportunity in California, and that uh, seemed too good to be true, and in, in some ways it was. Uh, but um, she ended up going out uh, early, and I had a lot of time on my hands. And uh, so I, uh, it was the uh, height of the, the big uh, D20 boom. And uh, I was looking online and, and found a lot of open calls and just started submitting and writing. And uh, some of those got accepted. And uh, then I had writing samples I could take to other places. And then most of my work was for Fantasy Flight Games. And mm-hmm. I got in uh, some regular uh, their bestiaries and uh, some of their other uh, work, including a uh, dragon star, uh, mm-hmm. if you remember that way back um, and then unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, for me, my uh, law career uh, took off in California, and so I kind of put the uh, writing on hold for a while and then when uh, Circumstances brought me, brought me back uh, to my hometown here outside of Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, um, to care for family. I found I had a little bit more time and um, I uh, submitted uh, to the open call for for Paizo's quests back when Mm -hmm. they had quests and then uh, heard nothing for about two years. And then out of the blue, I got an email saying, Hey, would you like to write for us? And uh, I did. And so that my first quest was 1016, uh, was a uh, collection mm-hmm. uh, for first yeah. edition. And uh, the rest is sort of been history, I guess. been writing for Paizo every season since, fortunately.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. You know, So you did season 10 for uh, first edition, and then you had like roughly every year, you picked up another scenario out of that. Have you, have you worked on any hardcovers in addition or just the adventures?
1: I have not uh worked on any hardcovers. Uh so if anyone's listening is, is looking for <laughs> uh no my last hard hardcovers were, were back in the, the D twenty boom. Um mm-hmm. but I really enjoy uh storytelling and so I'm 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 drawn to uh to the scenarios. But maybe I'll try my hand at the long form if I get the opportunity. Yeah.
0: So, so uh, you, Yeah, your story is, is quite a bit different than a lot of folks I've interviewed. A lot of them have met people at conventions and things like that. Yours is probably more akin to like, even like own Casey Stevens where he just talks about sending things into dragon magazine and, and, yeah. and hoping to get stuff published. So a lot more old school approach, uh, compared to what the networking that people do now, I think.
1: Yeah, I guess I am a, a bit, uh, more old school uh, in general.
0: I was going to say out in Pittsburgh now, uh, you're you're a player but you're also running games out there as well
1: uh i am not so much uh you know the last few years uh but yes mm-hmm. uh, our our local community is uh is pretty strong and in fact i'm doing a face to face convention here in uh what, two weeks i'll be running the secluded siege at uh, nice. coscon in butler pennsylvania yeah. so if any of your listeners are that way uh, there's still some open seats
0: excellent excellent yeah so now, you're a practicing attorney, and I, I think you said something about having to give briefs in California, even though you're in Pittsburgh, when we were corresponding. Yes. Are you, working, uh, are you doing remote work then for law?
1: I am. So I initially passed the the Pennsylvania bar, and that mm-hmm. was one of the reasons why I had a lot of free time when I eventually moved to California, because I had to take the, the bar right. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, my firm's located in uh, Emeryville, California. And I do uh, work, uh, uh, for them still. And, um, I do it all remote. Most of my, my work is writing, uh, briefs and, uh, and conducting discovery. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of depositions nowadays are even taken by, by phone or zoom. Right. So right. I do that as well.
0: So what type of law do you practice? If I can ask. Sure. Um,
1: most of my cases have been product defect litigation or oh, in the area of toxic right. torts, wow. um, but uh, litigation is, is, I guess, sort right. of the broad umbrella. So right. I do right. uh, focus pretty much on the pre-trial, so everything from mm-hmm. responsive pleadings to summary judgment motions, discovery, and everything in between. Uh, trying the cases are for generally for the uh, more seasoned attorneys, so.
0: Right, right, right. So you're kind of doing all the legwork ahead of time. So they have the information to go into court and and do all the big show then, I guess.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And if if I'm successful, then uh, we don't necessarily get to a courtroom so we can resolve the case outside.
0: So uh, in in terms of the the product liability tort litigation type of things that you're doing, what extent of those actually get settled before going to trial? I'm kind of curious. Well,
1: that's a good question. I I don't have uh, statistics. I would say the yeah. vast majority, uh, certainly yeah. the cases that that, that I handle, uh, but yeah. you always have to be prepared to to go to trial. And in some right. cases, you can't get a case to uh, move along until until you're prepared for that. With uh, with COVID, the the court systems were shut down for a while, so now there's, right. there's quite a, a backlog. So uh, that's. Resulted in, in some resolution of cases, too, just out of uh, necessity. Uh,
0: so in terms of like writing law legal briefs, right, versus mm-hmm. doing freelance writing, uh, which do you find uh, more challenging?
1: More challenging? Well, I, I guess it depends. Deadlines and, uh, and word count or page limits <laughs> are, are the bane for both. Yeah. Um, in many ways, they're, they're pretty similar because you're, you're telling a story and, and you're trying to pick out the, the salient points, whether it's to uh, relate to a precedent or, you know, a, a certain encounter or game system to move the plot along. My wife would probably tell you that uh, both are pretty challenging because when I'm, I'm up against a deadline, I, I become a bit of a bear. Uh, <laughs> Writer's block is an issue for both. I'm, I'm an idea guy, so I, I can see things in my head, but uh, sometimes just getting it down uh, on paper or on a hard drive, I guess nowadays, is, uh, uh, it can be difficult. But.
0: Now, I imagine you have to do quite a bit of research for the legal briefs, you know, similar mm-hmm. to when you're freelance writing, you're doing quite a bit of research as well. Do you, is the research harder to do for legal briefs? Do you have to really dig deeper or are you just looking at like prior case law type of thing?
1: It depends on the case. If it's a if it's an area of law that uh, you know, I'm more familiar with, uh, I'll still make sure that my precedents uh, or the cases that I cite are, are up to date and that there hasn't been any uh, recent developments. But um, otherwise, I, I, I have a pretty good grasp, I think, of of the law. And also, same with the games. If it's a uh, type of encounter that I'm I've played before or that I've that I've run, then it comes pretty easily. But if it becomes something more uh, a bit esoteric um, right. but those are also the more fun both for law and and for writing mm-hmm. to explore something that you haven't done before and and just see what the uh, what it produces
0: so i have i have two related questions here and the first one is going to be has some part of your legal writing legal career enabled you to flesh out something more in the scenarios that you write or the adventures you've written or even prior to that some of the other things that you've written for other publishers.
1: I haven't written any uh cases involving trial. I have uh, dabbled with <laughs> bureaucracy and the the burden yeah. of envy and maybe yeah. that's why I fo- focused on the the bureaucrat character in that one quite a bit. Yeah. And maybe yeah. I do slip a little more legal lore, uh, skill challenges in than maybe some of my my fellow authors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But to be honest, you know, the um yeah, if you know, if you uh, do something, uh, do it right. I'd probably lose uh, the audience, um, or <laughs> in this case, the the players. If if I included all the loopholes and things that I find fascinating, but uh, yeah. that the casual player probably doesn't. So, yeah. you know, in, in both, you stick to the, the the big concepts and only get into the minutia when you need to. So.
0: All right. Well, I, I have a a good friend who's also a lawyer and a Game designer. His name is Ron Lindeen. You might mm-hmm. you might have heard of him. Sure. I don't know. Um, so one of the things that he's done, and we actually played through the adventure where this thing came out, and I would forgotten about it because he told me about it like a couple years ago. Um, he wrote a contract that a um, a devil had been bound to do some sort of work, um, and so it was bound with a contract. And until he got the contract, he didn't know that the devil didn't know the terms of his release. And uh, he put really kind of funny minutiae in there about, you know, the length of the contract and things that could void it and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and so I thought, now, now I think he did a lot more contract law. So maybe he's more familiar with that part, but I thought that was kind of a real clever way to kind of bring uh, a legal aspect uh, into the role-playing game. So.
1: Yeah, I, that that would be a lot of fun. I, back in my college days, when I had more time um, I had the, uh... PCs that would write manifestos and, yeah. and uh, would, would come yeah. up with the with, uh, different contracts and, and, and oaths and, and things. Yeah. Um, probably too lengthy for, for the adventures that I've been writing lately.
0: Yes. Yeah. The word count, word count issues. Exactly. Yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he got away with this as it was actually a graphic that had words, so it didn't uh, even count you know, for the word count. So, never thought of um, that, so. Now, now my related question, though, is the reverse of this. Has any of your RPG writing come in to your legal briefs and helped you on the law side of things? That's a tricky question here. I know, but
1: that, that, that is a, a bit of a, a tricky question. Uh, I can't think of a, a specific instance, but again, you know, maybe in law in general, one of the, the things I need to do is is anticipate what objections or or arguments. Uh, a judge may have or, uh, or, or opposing counsel and also come up with questions uh, for discovery that, that I want a witness right. to answer. So in a sense, I'm playing a role uh, right. of, uh, of the witness or the judge or, or opposing counsel. And so right. the experience in role-playing allows me to uh, t- sort of take on uh, the mindset of another, maybe even an alien mindset in some instances uh, yeah. But it allows me to, I think, better anticipate, well, what, what might a player want to do here? or What might a particular uh, character do here? Or right. for law, then it would be, you know, what's this witness going to say? What objection are, are they going to have that I need to anticipate and perhaps yeah. in my papers or at least have a response for?
0: Yeah, you can draft, draft some sample dialogue that you expect them to say maybe. I don't know. <laughs> So yes, well, would right.
1: anticipate what cases they they what yeah, precedents okay. they might want yes, yes. to mention, and then yeah. uh, explain how the facts of my case uh differ. Right, uh, right. You know, I guess we call that the twist in in a scenario right. where where yeah. things are not quite the way that uh, you think they are initially.
0: Yeah. So it sounds to me like you you kind of keep your legal and your freelance work really separated, just from the discussion here. Do do. The people that you practice law with know that you're a freelance game writer and designer like that.
1: I think most do. Uh, uh-huh. And in fact, for some of my fellow attorneys, although I, I I don't work out of the office anymore, play role-playing games or had uh, children yeah. who, uh, who played so, and in law school again, uh, uh-huh. other, other players. So there's role players everywhere. Uh, I don't hide the fact uh, but I don't necessarily put it uh, under my bar number on on the pleadings.
0: (laughs) I always, I always kind of wonder that uh, in, in a professional setting, what, what people think about it, especially, you know, for, it's taken a long time for role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, the main one to go mainstream and be generally acceptable. And, you know, uh, for myself, I'm a university professor. And it was just like when I started doing more freelance writing and going to National conventions and things I started talking it up and saying what I've been doing basically i'm I'm volunteering for organized play and helping people have fun and uh they seem to appreciate that. I don't know if they all understand what it is, but it doesn't have the same kind of negative stigma on it that I think it might have had when I was a kid growing up uh early on, and you know you know i you know my first jobs were in The late 80s and I that's not something I would have been talking about then probably
1: yeah um, well I guess I've kind of always worn some things on my sleeve my wife still makes fun of me that I wore a Batman watch to uh, an interview so I've never really hidden uh, (laughs) my interests and I've done all right um, even in the the legal field Uh, yeah so you know just be true to yourself I try to do that Um, and uh, so far so
0: good so what advice do you have for people interested in becoming a freelancer now um, that there aren't so many open calls, but there are some, but mm-hmm. who are trying to break in, say, with a company like Paizo?
1: Well, I think things have changed quite a bit that those opportunities that were there uh, aren't necessarily there uh, as far as companies actively uh, seeking open calls. But there, there are, as you mentioned, some from time to time. I think my advice would be uh, the barriers now to self-publishing seem to be reduced mm. so much that, you know, an opportunity to get your work out there on a blog or, or a website, or maybe through uh, the Infinite, right. um, Pathfinder Infinite or Starfinder Infinite, or, or um, you know, some of the other uh, platforms that are out there. I, I think you can really take advantage of that. And so I, I guess that, that would be my my suggestions, and certainly... You know, get to know your fellow players and uh GMs online has been great for that. I've gotten to play right. with people from across the world that mm-hmm. uh, just provide new insights and and uh and thoughts and they're just plain fun. So right. I really enjoy that. And so play. That would be my advice. Play and write.
0: Now, would you advise somebody who's thinking about a career that uh to get into law? And if you did uh, what are some lessons you learned in terms of that maybe you wish you would have done things a little bit different or how to study, prepare for the LSAT, pass the bar, uh, what type of field to go into? Kind of what advice do you have for people interested in getting into law?
1: Well, the advice I always got was just don't do
0: it. And
1: <laughs> yes. they said, look, the, the hours are long. Yeah. The uh, yeah. the stress is pretty high. the The demands yeah. are great. You know, at the end of the day, the the pay is just not as much as you think it is when you work out all the hours. And yeah. a lot of that has been been true. But my advice is, if you're thinking about getting into law, don't do it unless you really love it. And I think that's also true for freelancing uh, and pretty much anything else you do, that if you really enjoy it and and you get satisfaction out of it, then then those long hours, the the pay the, uh, the stress, you can, you can handle it, uh, a lot better. It's at times it's still a grind and mm-hmm. even, uh, freelancing, as much as I love to play and, and write at times, uh, it's a job, you know, when, when you have an assignment due and you just got to sit down and put words on paper, um, mm-hmm. same with, with legal writing. So if you don't love it, it's a lot harder to do. So, uh, right. my advice is yeah. do what you
0: love. Yeah. I, that's, that's kind of, I, I'm glad to hear that actually. I, My aunt had told me when I was going to grad school for business, so I have a doctorate in business, and she was saying, "Oh, you should have gone. You should have gone to law school and said it pays a lot better." And uh, my uncle uh, is—he's a very prominent uh, litigator, actually, down in Miami. And I have several cousins and other relatives all kind of work for his firm. So it's, it's his firm that he owns down there. And I thought about it, but you know, like what you're saying, as an academic. I have a really pretty cushy, cushy lifestyle here. I, I don't put in a lot of hours and um, I'm willing to make that trade off for, for having that free time and not getting a tremendous amount of pay. Uh, that's the one thing that, you know, I, I took a lot of pre-law classes. So I'd taken quite a few pre-law classes and had really seriously thought about it. Uh, but then talking to lawyers and, and kind of, as you suggest, a lot of hours you got to put in for that pay, a lot of stress and, that's one thing I enjoy about my life now is I don't I don't have a lot of stress so Yeah.
1: Well, I, I wouldn't say I don't have a lot of stress. I do have 3 kids yeah. uh, yes. in a pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. but uh fortunately I've I've been successful enough at at uh, what I do and uh, been doing it long enough that um, I can sort of pick my my uh, hours and and projects and so I put in the time uh over the years but now i'm I'm reaping the rewards
0: so excellent nice. excellent so uh you're working on any cool projects uh that you can talk to us about here
1: i can't uh <laughs> mention any, any projects that i'm currently working on uh okay. but um you know i i guess w- one cool thing um uh, mentioning my kids is at the beginning of the year they came home and, and talked about clubs and uh, yeah they, they all came home and said, dad, we signed up the two oldest. We signed up for a D and D club. I'm like, wow. I didn't even wow. know there was a D and D club. And, uh, and here, you know, as a father, I'd always you know wanted them to to play right. and had taken them to some places, but they're always like, Oh, you know, four hours, you can sit down and do anything right. for, <laughs> for that long and all yeah. this math and things. Uh, so I tried not to get too excited, uh, when I heard that, but, um, I contacted, then, then they told me the news was there were so many people had signed up that they couldn't offer the club year round. And so, uh, this is where daddy bear stepped in and said, uh, you know, I'm going to uh, talk to the school. And I did, and I talked to the the teacher there and, and found out what they needed and, uh, told them that I had some experience and, and I had the, the time and the interest. And so they started doing it after school. So, uh, I've been volunteering there, uh, from time to time to help out uh, after school and and help get the club going. And so that's been one of the things I've been working on uh, within the past year that I'm pretty excited
0: about. No, that's cool. And do your kids actually play in your games or they want to play with some other DM?
1: No, they play with their own friend. My my daughter actually is an excellent uh, uh, dungeon master and I'll be running a table and then I'll hear, you know, laughter or cheers from, from her table a couple away, And I'm like, wow, you know, I, I hope to be as good as her someday. So.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think you're very fortunate. My, uh, neither of my kids would really get into playing role-playing games until after they graduated, you know, from high school and then got into college. And now my oldest plays all the time, but she won't hmm. play in any of my games still. So she, it's like, it's not cool when dad does it. I'll do it with my friends, you know? So. Uh, Well, Lyle, it's been very, very fun having a chance to talk with you and get to know you. Thanks again so much for joining us on the podcast today.
1: Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure.